0: Awesome. Well, we are delighted tonight to have uh, David Fiorazzo with us. And uh, what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to, in just a moment, ask him to come up. But let me kind of give uh, some ground rules here. Uh, Because we're recording this and we're also amplifying uh, using this mic, I'm going to try to capture the questions so we don't have to repeat them quite as much. So I've got a mic that I'm going to run around with. And if you'll raise your hand. Let me hold the mic because I'm going to hold it really close because inevitably people's natural tendency is to hold it way down here and it doesn't pick up as well. So let me hold the mic and then you can ask your question and then we'll give David a chance to answer. And uh, feel free to, you know, tag me in if you, if you want to get some extra thoughts on it. Um, and, uh, and if we get into a biblical uh, discussion or something and you need me to, I can throw a verse up on the screen if someone, you know, if that would help. So anyway, come on up, David.
1: Can I remind people of something before we get started? He's the theologian. I'm the culture observer. <laughs> so these deep theological questions, uh, I'll try, but uh, hopefully they're culture or whatever, whatever you want to ask. So start anytime. One, time. First question. Uh-huh. First on, question. Hold on, hold okay.
0: on. Hold your hand. Oh, I had on. I mean, Test one two perfect. Operator error. Okay, who had the hand over here? He was pointing over here.
1: I thought I saw some. Okay, any any questions? Any questions? Otherwise, <laughs> let them eat cake. That's right. <laughs> we'll go have cake. Going
0: once, going twice. Thank you for coming this evening. <laughs> yeah, go over here. I'm right. gonna get some exercise. <laughs>
2: of the people that reach out to you to the radio show or just in general, what is the biggest concern that they
1: voice that is an excellent question by the way because it's changed it's changed in the last year to year and a half the most common or the most important question in people's minds are about religious freedom and it has been about wearing masks or the vaccine mandate or the religious exemption Uh, my my husband is concerned he's going to lose his job what should we do and do you know where we can get a religious exemption? Do you know of a pastor who could sign it for us or whatever? So that is the most recent. But before that, it was where can we find a good Bible teaching, true Bible-believing church, sound doctrine that, that teaches the whole counsel of God, including Bible prophecy and uh, treats these scriptures as authoritative and the pastor is not afraid to go outside of church walls and discuss politics, culture, social issues, biblical, moral issues, right? But a lot of pastors don't. So that was, used to be the most common. But more recently, it's, it's all about the medical tyranny, the vaccine mandates, religious exemptions. What do you think we can do to prevent any of this happening, getting going further? We get a lot of questions on that topic.
0: Yeah, and we do have uh, a medical exemption letter that we, uh, provided many, many dozens of people now. I think we're up to 50 or 60, getting lots of great reports. Easily two-thirds have been successful. So if you know of anybody that needs one, they can contact me either through Plum Creek Chapel or not by works, depending on what they want. We'll do it on either either letterhead. So another question, and I am going to repeat them because I'm thinking, even though it's loud for everybody to hear, it may not pick up on the mic. So uh, I'll let you guys ask the question, and then I'll repeat it.
1: <coughs> anybody? Any other questions? It could be about, I don't know, something that you're concerned about, whether it's in the church or outside the church. Jeff.
3: Yeah, I have a question. Um, of your recent interviews, which one would you say was uh, one that really impacted you besides, of mm-hmm. course,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, person
3: Yeah. You thought I'd there, be there, obligated there really, to say. That really stood out to you that you recommend that we listen to? Oh, um, that, that, you know, you had a someone who was particularly poignant on a topic or... Or something of that nature. So uh, that's hard. Memorable <laughs> interviews is the
0: question. What are some of your more memorable interviews?
1: Okay, the, I think of about five, but one of them, because of that first question, one of them is Pastor Tim Stevens from Alberta, Canada, who, who's been arrested three times and has been imprisoned. and one time he was arrested in front of his whole family in his driveway and they took him away to prison because he would not he wanted to stay open. And he wouldn't want to. He didn't want to limit his church to 25% capacity, and the Canadian government arrested him. Phenomenal interview. One of the points he made was he had a sense. You've, I don't know if you've heard of Archer Pawlowski, uh, James Coates, another pastor. These men have been re- arrested up, up in Canada, mm-hmm. and Pastor Tim Stevens was the one that I talked to most recently. Actually, it was a couple months ago. But he said that he got the indication from the Canadian government that they think, he thinks that they're gonna make an example out of him and the other pastors so that this doesn't spread. In other words, so other church leaders and pastors don't get bold and wanna open their churches and not obey the government restrictions on churches. So yeah, so that one, Tim Stevens, the other one uh, would have been Ken Ham. You've already, I think, heard that one, but that's, that's one, i um, trying to think of. Tell us uh, who Ken Ham
0: is for some who may not know.
1: Oh, Ken Ham is the founder of Answers in Genesis. He also is the founder of the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter, if you've ever been down there. Uh, He's got a phenomenal ministry, and he's been at this since the 70s, talking about the authority of God's word and the importance of starting in Genesis 1 to 11. He always emphasizes Genesis 1 to 11 as literal history. Um, Otherwise, you get into thinking that uh, Noah really didn't build an ark, and that was just a fable, and so he really emphasizes that, so he's done a lot of uh, work and a lot of, he's reached a lot of people in that. So that's Ken Ham. Um, trying to think of one more. Uh, let's see. Um, Erwin Lutzer, Dr. Erwin Lutzer. He's got a book out uh, called um, We Will Not Be Silenced. That was about six months ago, but I remember that. I really enjoyed that, you know, talking to him. And uh, he's writing about the issue. He's been around a long time, uh, Dr. Lutzer, and now he's, he's writing about what's happening. So uh, those are a couple. I mean I could, I could keep going I just think of another one a former New Ager her name is Doreen Virtue I think we talked about this the other night I just think of her powerful testimony she was deep into the occult and New Age mysticism and all that she was a top-selling author in the New Age movement and on Amazon and world famous and she got saved she's got an amazing testimony and now she spreads the truth about Christianity versus New Age and tells people why New Age is not biblical, you should avoid it, and, and the signs and how deceptive it is. But, so I could go on and on, but religious freedom, I could think of a lot of uh, good men there, but I, I gotta stop, otherwise I could, I could keep rattling off guests. Judy.
3: David, <laughs> David how would you handle Christian friends that have a different worldview, meaning opposite worldview, and do not wish to uh, know about biblical prophecy or understand where we
1: as remnant believers are coming from. You said Christian friends. Yes. So the
0: question is, how would you <laughs> handle Christian friends who have a different worldview and don't really want to, uh, you know, have no interest in prophecy and some of the things that
1: we do? Wow. I've lost a few friends because of that. So have we. Uh, yes, um, how would I handle? It's, it's, there's so many ways. Love, speak the truth in love. I used to, about 10 years ago, I think I was talking to Jeff or someone after the service today, I used to be a little bit more rigid, a little bit more legalistic, a little bit more in your face, and I don't care what people think, but I learned that that was a little arrogant, and I learned that I wasn't as sensitive to the Holy Spirit and where that person was coming from. So I've backed off of that approach a lot but I still speak the truth. I try to do it with compassion. I try to find out where they're at and how I would handle someone is ask them good questions. Mm. A lot of people have not thought through how they reach the conclusions, even about something as important as worldview. A lot of people haven't thought this through. Worldview, politics, what they believe about God, Jesus, the Bible, or what they don't believe or why they don't believe a certain part of the Bible. So one of the things, uh, one of the most important questions you can ask is, How did you come to that conclusion? When you ask that question, more often than not, they're kind of taken aback, and they really have to think they don't know how to respond much of the time, which is really kind of astounding. But if you understand that people have a tendency to um, believe the the talking points and and be deceived and just believe what someone else tells them without doing their own study or research, How did you come to that conclusion that it was okay to be gay and be a Christian and have that just live that life of what the Bible calls sin, but still say you're a Christian? Or, you know, so another question is whenever they give you an answer, say something, make a a statement on their faith, the worldview, a doctrine, and if it's if if you know it's not biblical, what do you mean by that? Because they often can't explain it. They'll rattle off something, a pre-thought-out or someone, something maybe they got from their pastor. And maybe their pastor is not a strong Bible teacher. So what do you mean by that is a great question that allows them to explain further. And what, what I've experienced is they end up sticking their foot in their mouth oftentimes. They, or they can't get out of it or they get upset and they go, Why? What are you asking me these questions for? I just want to know where they're coming from so I can respond more specifically and directly to their, maybe where they got skewed, maybe where they got deceived or are believing something that really isn't right. Mm -hmm. So how did you come to that conclusion? What do you mean by that? But I would still try to keep the lines of communication open, but what I found is if those Christian friends, oftentimes it's not just an issue of Bible prophecy. Oftentimes it's usually what I call the cult of liberalism that is infected the church in America, and it is a cult because it's anti-Christian and it's unbiblical. And some of the things they are teaching and promoting, um, it would have never f- flown 75 years ago in this country. They would have been, are you kidding? Get out of church, leave. <laughs> You're not going to deceive my flock. And which brings up another topic War of where the Watchmen. But that's that's one thing I've learned that they, they always have usually a, a some sort of liberal leaning, a progressive leaning. Um, yeah so if they don't address Bible prophecy.
0: Yeah, and I, I would add a corollary to that. That's the reason it's important for us as believers to not just memorize pat stock answers to some of these worldview questions because yes. if the tables are turned and they ask us, how did you arrive at that conclusion? Yes. I, I find a lot of these kids that, that go to these worldview weekends and go to these intensive things where they learn you know, 20 answers to Islam and 20 answers to Jehovah's Witnesses and whatever, they, they have the answers and they can kind of get so far, but if someone that's really uh, knowledgeable kind of counters them and says, well, how did you come up with that? Then they, they're like a deer in the headlights. So that's why I really believe we need to train them up in the word. Thank you. So that they can go to the word to answer the question. So for the same reason that we, we are asking skeptics those questions, we need to be prepared to answer them ourselves. And
1: that's a good point. Excellent, JB, because we have not done generally in the church in America a good job of making disciples training our own children up to be able to explain why we believe what we believe we can state we believe the bible we can state we believe in god and jesus yes we know we know the easter story but why and you can go so many directions with that well look at the evidence look at the fulfilled prophecy look just just go on down the list jesus appearances he said Isaiah wrote 400 years before Christ, specific details about the Messiah. Jesus fulfilled them, and then when he was on the earth, he said he was God, and here's what I'm going to do, and it's, um, they're going to kill me, it's going to take three days, and I'll rise from the dead. And, and everything happened, and he fulfilled so many prophecies. Most of us can't even predict the ending of a football game, what the score is going to be, and there's hundreds of prophecies that have been fulfilled. Now you, you want to talk about the evidence you know, the, the, the archaeological evidence ten, tend to, no, there's more than that. There's tens of thousands of archaeological digs or finds over there that confirm either people, places, or events that are written about in Scripture. And they're digging up something, and every time an archaeologist finds find something, they go, oh, well, there's something in Ezekiel about that or whatever. In the Old Testament, an, the, there's another, another atheist goes, oh, Because there's enough evidence that demands a verdict. Remember that old book in the 80s, I think it was? Josh McDowell. McDowell. But people don't want to hear the evidence. But there's enough. So we have enough that we can answer why we believe. First of all, um, or why are you a Christian? Well, first of all, I'm not a Christian because I'm looking uh, for a happy life. I had a happy life before I was a Christian. I'm a Christian because it's true. And no other worldview gives me what the bible and christianity offers and i could no go other, on and on
0: but no other world you solve man's sin problem that's Amen. the bottom yeah, line yeah. yeah
1: so
2: all right here's a question yeah so how would you address somebody who says uh and this has been said to me you know you americans with your constitution the bill of rights and, and the premium that you put on individual liberty you bring that mindset into the church and you're kind of violating what they perceive as the right Religious liberty under kind of the Romans 13. They're, they're like, it's just too individualistic, it's too individual right. rights focused, meaning, you know, we should really be, you know, bowing down to the government and obeying them more. And they're accusing us that just because of our, you know, the, the way we believe in the Constitution, have the Constitution, have the Bill of Rights, that somehow that is not really a biblical principle. Does that make sense? Wow. I think so. Yeah. So the question. And, uh, and by the way, I mean, this comes from somebody. Yeah, this is somebody who spent a lot of time in the UK and and is you know just very influenced by European culture.
1: Well, a lot of them don't like the fact that we have the blessed document. And first of all, the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights. A lot of other countries like that. I mean, some people they can't wait to get here. They'll risk their lives to come here because of our Constitution. But I think they forget the fact, if you're a Christian, they forget the fact that the, the founders, most of them, them did believe in God. I'm not saying they were all Christians. They did believe. Otherwise, they wouldn't have written what they the way they wrote it, the laws of nature, and nature is God. But I think, uh, do you want to share something about Romans 13? Because this could yeah. get, get into a whole um, subject of, about why we do not submit in an unlimited fashion to whatever... Because we talked this morning a little bit about the fact that there were a lot of people that resisted government or went against government and were commended for it in in the scriptures. Oh, sure. But our constitution is very unique in that how it was how it was created for our country. And they came over; their intentions in the Mayflower Compact. I think it was William Bradford that wrote that we came over here to advance the Christian faith. He made it very clear. Now there were men, there were women, but there were men that were leaders that were making mistakes and didn't do it all right but that you can't erase the fact that the original intention was to dedicate this land to god and to govern this land according to god's law and god's and live in loving our neighbors and according to the ten commandments and have that kind of society that's what they wanted to establish here you can yeah so
0: i think that's a very sophisticated question first of all i think it's one that That's why he's answering right now. No, 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 not at all. But I think uh, uh, a lot of people don't understand how America is viewed by the rest of the world. We Mm -hmm. have this American exceptionalism, which has crept into the church as well, and we kind of blur... This concept that America is sort of God's chosen nation, which of course it's not. God is not an American, and God is not a Republican either, by the way. Um, but I think for, to begin with, I would point out that, especially in Europe, you know, they're a couple of generations beyond us in their slide in, 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 in into liberalism, progressivism, s- s- abandoning basically inalienable rights. Yeah. Um, and so of course to the generation that's there today they're going to say what's the big deal about the bill of rights and individual freedoms and we we haven't seen that for generations we don't understand what you're all hyped up about. Yeah. But I think well, the way I would come at that question is I would point out that you know it's not about ultimately the constitution it's about the word of God. In God's word we see the order of relationships. Hmm. From Genesis 1 through 11, which is why those first 11 chapters are so critical. If you abandon those, the literal, grammatical, historical interpretation of those first 11 chapters, forget it. It's, a, it's game over. But in Genesis 1 through 11, you see the order of priority relationships from the Creator to mankind. First, God-man. God created Adam. And Adam is accountable to God. Then, husband-wife. Second, by the way, husband-wife. Then third, parent-child. And then fourth, civil government. Mm -hmm. So there are at least three biblical priorities of authority and relationship prior to the government. So, for example, the government should never supersede a parent's right, in God's word, to raise up their children the way they want. A parent, uh, I mean, the government cannot supersede our relationship with God. That comes first. And we see that again and again again. In Scripture, Old and New Testament alike, where godly people chose to rebel against the government mm-hmm. and obey God instead. Now, when it comes to Romans 13, the thing that people miss there is that the, the premise of Romans 13 is that the government is God's agent to do you good. If the government is acting as God's agent, then yes, God is using them. God created civil government. You know okay. and That's part of God's plan. And we are still living in this nationalistic uh, era. It's going to become a globalist era. I mean, officially, it's kind of de facto that already, but we know in God's plan of the ages that we are heading towards a one-world government, first with the Antichrist, and then second with King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But right now, we're still living in a nationalistic uh, world, according to Scripture. And so God uses government, but only to the extent that governments are serving properly as his agents. And when a government goes rogue and is not honoring God, then we are under absolutely no obligation to obey anything they say. Hmm. And I don't know if you guys have looked inside the Beltway lately, but there's a <laughs> lot of evidence that our government in the United States is anything but Christian. Doesn't mean there are not Christian uh, people serving as congressmen. I don't know about the Senate or you know anything else. <laughs> there but I mean, law of large numbers. Um, you know, and I'm not even sure about the Senate, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, the Rand Pauls of the world, that's great that he's against mandates, but where was he when he was when we were taking, slicing up babies while their hearts still beating to create this vaccine? Hmm. I didn't hear a peep out of him then. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little harsher on a lot of these mainstream, you know, politicians, but doesn't mean there's not some Christians there, but as a system, the system sold out a long time ago, and we've got all kinds of evidence of that. So... I would just say, I would redirect the conversation with a person and say, you know, we love our Constitution, we love the Bill of Rights, we're proud of it, but let's not forget it was predicated upon inalienable rights from a creator. Right. That's what matters most. And so we are resisting some of these uh, tyrannical mandates, not because necessarily of the Constitution, because we have to be careful putting too much weight on that. Because hmm. as Biden has already said, you know, this Constitution, some of it's the Second Amendment. You know, it's kind of fluid, and we need to – it was never meant to be – I forget his exact quote. It was never meant to be permanent or something like that. And <laughs> well, so, you know, of course, it can change.
1: They've been saying that for years. Yeah. It, it's a, didn't they – don't they say it's a living and breathing document? Yeah, that's what Al Gore Meaning Gordon they can change said. it if they want to yeah. change it down the road. Yeah, its
0: language is fluid, and so oh. is the Constitution. So, I mean, again, I'm not uh, – I'm thankful, and we should be thankful – I think America is the greatest country in the world. God's fingerprints are all over it. And we do have a constitutional republic, which is better than any other form. But we believe what we believe, not because of our constitution, but because of God's word. So that's kind of the way I would redirect the question. Thank you. So, yeah. Another question. Yes. I'm supposed to be the guy with the mic. All right, here we go. Hang on.
1: I know this is going to be a tough one. Oh, no.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> How can Satan like Think that and know that he will, like, think that he has will have power over us, and also know what is going to happen to him in the end. And yeah,
1: did your mom have you ask that question?
0: <laughs> Let me repeat it so, how can Satan? Uh, <laughs> Know what's going to happen in the end, and still do what he's doing, or think that he has power. Basically, is that the gist of it? Okay.
1: Well, he's not all knowing, so he doesn't know everything, and he is not all powerful. Only God is all powerful, but yet he's given free reign by God, who is sovereign over him. So, uh, what, there's a verse in Second Corinthians, I think, where it says he's the ruler of this age, or the God of the, small g, four, four. God of this world. Second Corinthians four four. So he does have some power. Uh, What he thinks, I don't know, because it's pretty foolish if he knows he's cursed and he's going to come to an end one day. But I don't know that he thinks that far. I know he understands there's things that, that have been prophesied. And I think he's tried to prevent some of that from happening about Jesus, the Messiah, when he came and how he wanted to kind of thwart that plan, but he couldn't. So he is not powerless, but he doesn't have power over believers. He only has as much power as we give him but he's a very real entity the devil is real and he's he's uh our enemy and he hates us uh anyone that's a representative of a child of the king anyone that's a representative of christ you're on his list you know but but he is not all powerful and he can't foresee the future am i accurate in saying that yeah so
0: uh you're yeah, absolutely i couldn't have said it better i think uh, a verse that comes to mind is john eight forty four, 44 where jesus said satan is a liar from the beginning. And when he speaks, he speaks from his own resources because that's all he can do. He can only lie. And so what liars do is they lie. And and liars not only lie, but they're deceived themselves. That's the reason 2 Timothy 3.13 says, evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So Satan is deceived. So the reason he can read, because he's smart. Angels are actually smarter than man. And, and, and demons are fallen angels. Satan's the prince of demons, so he was an angel. Uh, they're not subject to human frailties the way we are, which makes our mind you know, struggle, and sometimes we don't connect the dots as well. So he's very smart, and he's read the Bible. He just doesn't believe it. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. So he knows what the Bible says, well, but it's he in- doesn't believe it.
1: It's interesting you say that, because in James it says, even the demons believe, and they shudder. But when when it says the demons believe, they don't put their faith, hope, and trust in God, and they don't believe in Jesus as Messiah. They just believe that it's true, right? No, I think that
0: passage is a little different. In the context, he's talking about the unity of God. So he says, James says, he's talking to a hypothetical objector and says, you believe in the unity of God, that God is one, which is the Jewish, the Shema, right? Here at Israel, where God is one. You believe that, and you do good. Demons believe that because they've seen it throughout his history, and they tremble. <laughs> yeah. So it has nothing to do with the eternal salvation there in the context. Demons can't be redeemed anyway. They're right. not savable. So the whole context has nothing to do with salvation. But it does show that demons, when they understand the truth about God, yeah. they shudder. Yeah. And I think Satan would never admit it, but I think he's shaking in his boots right now too. Even though he's probably, in some sense... Motivated and invigorated because he sees things lining up, and he, like we, thinks, Wow, it must be getting close to God's end times plan. So he's marshaling his troops, he's kind of getting things ready. The way China's kind of zoning in on Taiwan right now, they're getting ready for something. I think Satan in the spiritual realm is doing the same thing, but at the in his weaker moments. I think he's shaking like those demons.
1: Mm. It's interesting. The one thing I think in the book of Job, and there's a, there's a lot of things. We're, we're real. We, we can we can be honest and say, there's some things I struggle with in how God runs the universe, you know, but I'm not God. I surrender to him. He has oh, whatever say, whatever he wants to do, but that doesn't mean we can't look at it and go, gosh, did it have to happen that way? Like when he went to Job, or when Satan went to God about Job and where, where were you or where are you? And, he, and Satan goes, oh, I've just been roaming around the earth. He's been given free reign. God allows him to just roam around and affect people. And that's like, going, wow, really? Why did, You know what I mean? So there's some things that we can struggle with, but the ultimate end of our, you know, when the, our progression of logic there should be that, like, okay, we understand certain things. We don't understand a lot of things, but we trust in God's sovereignty and that it will work out for our good and for his glory.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Don't <laughs> uh, You want to grab <undergrad> that?
1: <laughs> how did the CDC get so popular? I heard something about it not being a government en- entity. And I kind of want to know kind of like a summary of how
0: it got to be so powerful, you know? So let me Th- clarify something first. Okay. Because I said in... What in the world is going on that the CDC is not a government entity? I think technically they would be listed under one of the government agencies, but they're privately funded. So they're de facto a private entity funded by the big pharmaceutical companies. You can go right to their website and look at it. We're
1: talking about the Center for Disease Control. And that, what he just said, is how they can be so big and powerful because they get private funding, like a George Soros or, or... you know, the godless, the ones, the globalists, the ones who want to wipe out America, deconstruct America, weaken our economy, weaken our military, they can pu- and they can use a virus or whatever, they'll use whatever, right? Because they are godless, they don't have the same worldview as we do, and they certainly don't love America like we do. And so, the CDC can be powerful, more powerful than it was, in, than it was intended when it was created, because I have a feeling that maybe when it was created, and I don't know how long ago that was, it was for good intentions and the government was probably seriously looking at diseases and how to you know protect the people but it's gotten it's just been corrupted right but it's when money will corrupt it even more
0: yeah centers for disease creation that's what we're talking
1: about. <laughs> you know what you can almost talk, call it that now <laughs> now here's where the tough one comes can you direct this to JB please
3: all right, uh, hopefully I can articulate this, as well as Jake can articulate oh. this question. Because because when I tried to tell Mike this afternoon, he looked at me completely sideways. So oh, all right, so here it goes. So um, what would you say to Christians, this goes along with Judy's question, um, what would you say to Christians that say their answer to, I'm going to go ahead and get the vaccine, is that, um, you know, God is so big. Like I, I, we just watched this movie, Free Burma Rangers and it was an excellent movie and here's this Christian um, missionary family going into the heart of, you know, major conflicts and mm-hmm. God is, you know, defying all human um, reasoning in safety and preserving this family. Um, so Christians say, well, God, if God can do that, why couldn't they protect me, which I think he could but it's kind of I'm always like, well, you're tempting God. Well, aren't those people tempting God? They put those those two um, like safety yeah. issues on the same playing field and say that those would be that it would be okay to get the vaccine because um, your God will, you. God will protect you. But it also makes you more relevant. Like you can be more of a missionary. You can go to other parts of the world because it probably is going to come to it already is where you can't go overseas, et cetera, if you don't have the vaccine.
1: What would you say to that? Wow, we talked a little bit about the missionary aspect, but th- the first part of your question that I'll take it because even if I if I make a wrong mistake, God's going to protect me. I would say, how did you come to that conclusion? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, God will? <laughs> what do you mean, God will protect you? I mean, where does it say that? Give me the chapter and verse on that. Um, so that's a little off when you think that, that we can do, make any personal choice, whether that be medical or another area of our lives, and say, and if, and if someone challenges us because they think it's not biblical, and we say, well, God will protect me, I think that's a little careless. I think that's a little saying, uh, uh, we're telling God what to do then, right? We're kind of putting it out there. Okay, God, I know you have this, but I'm going to do this anyway because you'll help me if I make a mistake. So I don't really like that the the approach where that person is coming from.
0: Yeah, I would say, and we did a podcast recently, the whole dedication for the whole hour was should Christians get the COVID-19 vaccine? So if you go to the Not By Works app and look for our podcast back, it's only been a couple of weeks ago, you'll find it. But uh, I believe it's a non-starter. I believe it's a moral issue. And uh, at the end of the podcast, I actually raised several questions or answered several questions that had been emailed to me about, you know, what if your spouse was dying and the hospital said you could only come in to see them if you had the vaccine? Or what if you were a missionary and you could only go share the gospel? It doesn't matter. God will never condone an immoral thing for a greater good. God's morals are absolute. And taking a vaccine that uses... uh, the parts of killed, murdered babies in it, which is not a fact in dispute. This is we've documented this, as have many others extensively. Of course, mainstream media tries to, you know, push it away and act like it's no big deal. But it is a fact, not in dispute, that all of the uh, va- COVID vaccines, the ones in America and the ones in other part of the countries, use the body parts from dead baby corpses in the development and many of them in the manufacturing of the vaccine. That's a non-starter. Bible's not ambiguous about that. So it, not to mention the host of other uh, problems with the vaccine health wise It's never the loving thing to do to perpetuate a lie. I've said that many, many times. So this person is basically beginning from a wrong premise. And mm-hmm. Would they I mean God can protect you if you play Russian roulette and put a gun to your head and keep pushing pulling the trigger with that sixth, you know, shooter. But why would you do that, right? God can protect you if you jump off of a 20 story building, but why would you do that? It's not a question of can God protect you. And the same people that are making those arguments uh, are forgetting the fact that God can protect you if you lose your job. And God can bring someone else to share the gospel to that person overseas. Mm -hmm. So God's a big God, and God will never use an immoral measure to accomplish a moral agenda, ever. Never. So I understand that's a personal issue, and I encourage you to study it on your own. Don't just take my word for it. We've got tons of great resources at Not That Works about it. If you go right to the home page, there's a, a button called COVID data that's got page after page after page of links to great articles and great comprehensive data. Hundreds of thousands of doctors, virologists, scientists, biologists, surgeons, pediatricians all across the globe are on record saying that these vaccines are horrific. So
1: even if you didn't have a moral issue, I think there's some practical issues. There was part two of her question about the missionary approach. If I, if I don't get it, I can't travel internationally. And I was talking to Jeff about this. My personal opinion on this at this point is, yes, we are to go into all the world. Um, but America is one of the richest mission fields in the world. America needs missionaries. Amen. And our, our own churches need missionaries. Yes. Yes. So you can tell that person, well, what about the unsaved all around you? In your neighborhood, in your child's school, in, in, out in the culture, at your job? What about all those people? Are you ignoring those people that are unsaved and you have immediate access to them and you're willing to take a chance and get a shot so you can fly somewhere else to maybe you don't know the language, maybe you have to, it'll take a lot more time or whatever the, re- so this is what I'm saying and I was telling Jeff this earlier. Um, before I left California, a speaker came to our church and it was such a, it, 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 uh, we were there for a short time, it was a seeker sensitive church. But right before we were about to leave, a guest speaker came in and was like, wow, a good sermon. But in that, in that, sermon, in that sermon, he said, um, we are hearing from missionaries in China and other parts of Asia that are flying to America, quote, to evangelize the decadent West. Yes. They're flying to LAX. They're flying to Chicago because America is a, is a godless nation, and we are. And my heart breaks to say that. But as soon as we as a church come to terms with the fact that we are godless, not you, not everyone in here, but I'm saying our country and our culture. It's not lost forever, but the only thing that's gonna make any ultimate transformation is to transform hearts, and that is only through the gospel. And why make excuses to try to do something so you can fly somewhere, and that's hypothetical anyway. They're probably never going to fly if they get the shot, to some other country, unless they've already been a missionary for 20 years.
0: Yeah, and that's that's true, uh, David, that there's plenty of fields wide in the harvest here in America. But I still think that's beside the point, because the issue is a moral issue. God will never use immorality <coughs> to further the gospel. And, you know, injecting yourselves with baby parts. And by the way, this is just not to belabor the point, but we know the age of these babies. We know the gender of these babies. We know what day and month they were aborted and what year. We know the birth moms. We know everything. We know what parts of the body they sliced and diced up. This isn't just propaganda from a conservative religious right. This is admitted in the CDC's own documents. And and Veritas has got whistleblowers on record, secretly taped, talking about how we cannot let this information out, Mm -hmm. the Christians will go bananas, we've got to hide it, we've got to claim it's a conspiracy theory. I mean, it's all blown wide open. So it's no longer a fact in dispute. Early on, there was some confusion, and sometimes it can be hard to get to the truth, but we know the truth. So this is a non-starter.
1: Whoops, sorry about that, I hit a video. (laughs) (laughs) It's completely
0: a non-starter. And and so an illustration that I would use about evangelism is, you know, what about, All those people addicted to pornography, you know, that never will hear the gospel. Well, here's an idea. Let's create a magazine called Pray Boy Magazine with naked pictures in it and put a gospel presentation at the back, Why not? That would reach a whole bunch of people. But that's that's using an immoral means to achieve a moral purpose. And so God is fully capable of making sure that people everywhere... He's been doing this for 6,000 years. He doesn't need us to step up and take a very dangerous gene editing bioinjection in order to go share the gospel with people and uh, it sounds like a good you know argument it sounds spiritual and they're just missing the point in my opinion
1: what i was looking for really quick and i couldn't find it but I, there's a quick article that i wrote several years ago there was um about what you just said cuz people hear that what do you mean they know whether they got a an aborted baby's baby's heart or liver or eye or tissue the Senate, conservatives and, and Republicans did a report, it was a massive, I believe it was over 500 pages on Planned Parenthood's you know, sales of aborted baby body parts, fetal tissue, they were, and they were doing this. And James O'Keefe, um, no it wasn't James O'Keefe. David Daleiden with Center for Medical Progress did some undercover videos and Planned Parenthood executives and workers and employees admitted what they were doing and, and he was acting as if he was a buyer he was acting like, I want these parts, I want I want young livers, three-month-old babies, I want uh, the kidney or the eyes, I want we, we need to study this. And he got them on tape to admit that this is what they were doing. The Senate did research on that. A 500-page report come, came out. Of course you didn't hear about it because the media didn't report on that. Right. Mm-hmm. But Kamala Harris, when she was Attorney General of California, she had David Daleiden investigated. A citizen journalist and he she had his home raided right. at 6 in the morning and they removed his equipment his recording equipment but they never went after Planned Parenthood who broke the law.
0: No. And, but so the I, was, I get very yeah, passionate about you that. Both, brother, big, the big pharma recently within the last six months University of Pittsburgh was exposed for being one of the worst places where they're taking these these babies for pharmaceutical <clears throat> research fresh not frozen. I mean, they have to be delivered alive. They can't use any one of the normal means of, you know, ter- what they call termination we call murder because it destroys the organs. So they're literally harvesting them while the heart is still beating. This was, this was on Fox News and some of the mainstream mm-hmm. media's just in the last six months. And we know that Big Pharma has representatives on site at various abortuaries around the country to take delivery of these babies seconds after they're born so they can harvest the organs. So this is a moral issue. So the, the, master, the, the masters of deceit have done a fantastic job of making it all about, you know, mandates or no mandates or personal rights or constitutional rights or this or that. This is not ambiguous when it comes to what mm-hmm. God's Word has to say. So. Okay,
1: next question. David. Correct. <laughs> gotta be about how, anybody named David. how can I remember his name? <laughs> David, we talked, you and I, briefly this morning about this about news media and how to,
4: you know, what to believe, what they're stating. And so many of them don't even state anything of
1: information we should know about. Yep. So we can be more informed and in how to react and pray and so forth. And you shared a little bit, but could you go into a little more detail about that and what some really good. You know, if, if we're interested in a certain topic, or if we're interested in just in general what's going on, yes. How what, what source do we have, and can we put our finger on it and say and that's the truth? I'm really hearing you, but I'm thinking in my mind, how am I going to make this a short answer? Um, go to standupforthetruth.com. In the upper left-hand corner, there's one word. It says resources. Click on that word, and you'll find a 200 list of resources in alphabetical order of News sources, conservative, Christian outlets, J.B. Hickson, Bible teachers, Andy Woods, different people you can trust, 200, and they're in alphabetical order. That's one place you can go to, to make sure you're listening to the right people. And it's not there's more than just 200, but that's what we put together. Um, let's go back a little ways. First of all, what we talked about in our conversation is how our American media very rarely talks about one of the most important things we should kind of keep up on, and that's Israel and what's happening in Jerusalem right. and the Middle East and what's going on over there. We hardly ever hear anything and that's, I think that's on purpose. But let me go back to the 1980s because the, the liberal media, which I affectionately refer to as the progressive, liberal, socialist, global, Marxist media in America. There was a survey in the 1980s and they asked the main, he- the heads, the, the people that were doing the news, the anchors on CNN, uh, whatever was around in, in the late 1980s, I don't remember, just when cable was getting going. may have been the early 90s, 1980s, early 90s. And the, the percentages would surprise you then, but today we look back and go, huh? okay, I understand that. Over 60% of the mainstream media in America support socialist policies. Over 90% of them supported abortion. Over, at that time, this is, let's just say it's 1989, over 75% of those who deliver the news to you are pro-choice, I'm sorry, are pro-LGBTQ, and believe homosexuality, there's nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with furthering, letting them do whatever they want to do in our country, you know what I mean, in schools or the transgender agenda, so these are the people that report the news to us, they have their, I have my biases, I admit I'm a Christian, I'm a conservative, I admit my biases, I try to look at both sides and I try to reason, but they have their biases and they're, not, they're, not, they're acting as if they don't. They're acting as if they're reporting the truth and the facts, and they are not. They're opinion driven, they're ratings driven, it's all about the money, and so we have to recognize that and that's what got me writing in the first place. And when I started writing my first book in 2011, I had been studying and writing blogs before my first book. And I would go to Google and I would go, okay, I know that was at, um, where was that, CBN News or Decision Magazine or something. I remembered an article from somewhere, Breitbart or wherever. And I went, okay, where is this? And oh, it's not there. And I go, I had to literally scroll through four, five, six pages of search results to get something I knew was there. But the those won't come up at the beginning. It's all the progressive, socialist. It's all more often than not. And that was 11 years ago. So that's why I got angry and I had to write. And I wrote a chapter on media bias in my first book on culture and blotting out God in America. And that's the, the media is one of the evils in our country because we think it's news. And like you said, they are not reporting especially what Christians want and need to hear about. They make it political, and you can kind of tell their leanings, obviously, they're Democrats. And that's another way they answered the question. Um, I think, in fact, I think it was at that time, um, between 85 and 90% of them gave to Democrat campaigns, and this was in the late 1980s, early 90s. Imagine what it is now. So we've got to be real and understand this. It's very sobering when you think but I turn on the news and I got to listen to somebody, you still have to try a little harder to find someone you can trust and do some research.
0: Yeah, there's some great documentaries out there that show exactly what he's talking about in terms of the mainstream media. I forget the name of one of them, but um, if you were to go to Google and type in, and you can do this tonight, uh, are the COVID vaccines safe? You'll get the first 10 pages, nothing but... You know, talking about conspiracy theories and f- uh, fake news, and this is all misinformation. But if you go to a place like DuckDuckGo and type in the same exact search, you'll get truly all of the pages. And right now, there's vastly more information out there popping up about the problems with the vaccine than there is the propaganda about the well, vaccine. Well, you'll get but both they sides. They censor it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Country. Like on, on DuckDuckGo, you'll you'll probably get both. Yeah, you'll get so, everything. Yeah,
0: but it's going to be ordered in terms of. Number of hits and most yeah. popular, yeah. not ordered with the algorithms that Google puts out there to only have you see certain stuff. But um, uh, you know, back to your question, I think it's a great question, and I get it all the time. In fact, I get, I've got flagged emails right now that they stack up, and then when I have a, an hour, I start responding <laughs> to them all. And one of the ones that have I've yet to respond to is a typical question I get, which is, who do you recommend for a trustworthy news source? <laughs> and it's it's <laughs> difficult. I mean, it's we can come up with lists of. 200 people that you know are Bible-believing Christians that generally are going to be trustworthy. But I'm not perfect. I'm certainly not infallible. Not only do I sometimes get it wrong, but I might make misspeak, right? So I think the way to answer the question is we've got to step back and not not look for who's reliable, but learn how to interpret information. And so yes. uh, I think. Uh, Joel Skousen has a great article that he's had for years and years and years that's the best one I've ever read on how to read the news and how you can see beyond the propaganda. And there's nuggets there. I mean, I still check out CNN and Fox News regularly because I want to see what the, main, what the propaganda of the day is and what they're emphasizing. But uh, you, you learn to say, oh, this is really about that. Or they're only promoting this because of that. And you just, over time, the more you do it, you learn to, it's about interpreting the news, not just being spoon-fed. Not that you're trying to be spoon-fed, but I mean, that's our tendency. Because we grew up, yeah. and our parents grew up, in a generation thinking the government could do no wrong. So you, the government says it. We believe Walter Cronkite was one of the most trusted men around. Well, I played a quote of him in What the World's Going On where he's up there bragging about sitting at the right hand of Satan and proud of it. <laughs> so, I mean, these guys, you have to understand that the mainstream media from its inception was controlled and it had the the uh, impression that it was unbiased. And that's what, oh, in America, the media is unbiased. It's not unbiased. <laughs> it's the controlled media. It's just even more powerful because it's very, very subtle. Yes. So you got to learn how to interpret it, I would say, which is not easy. Well,
1: there's one right here. Before you go over, over to over here, then you can go to Ken
0: Jeffrey. Okay,
1: <laughs> Jeffrey's Got loaded Bible tonight. Open and it's in oh no! <laughs> All right, All right. I, I, I will defer. <laughs>
4: Oops. Uh, I was
0: wondering if you
1: thought the the dragons referred to in Isaiah chapter forty-three, verse twenty, being jackals or dinosaurs? Jackals.
0: Jackals or, din- jackals. jackals or dinosaurs? Some translations say jackals, some say hippopotamuses. <laughs> oh, Taneen. Oh, kind of right? T- <laughs> what? Taneen. Taneen? tanine Tanine. Is, is the the
3: great
0: human. whales and is this the oh, word? Oh, I see. All right. So he's asking, could that be
1: dinosaurs? Um, can I say I don't know? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yes, I can. That's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. It's the most confident thing I can say tonight. I don't know. Okay. I would say most likely there a
0: reference to dinosaurs. That would be the biblical according to the biblical record. That would make sense, but
1: ask Russ Miller.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good question.
4: So David, you are immersed in. It's culture shift that's going on right under our feet in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, you you hear the questions, you try to answer them. Uh, we're all ready for the rapture, but in your thought, can you can you give us what you think the culture will look like, like even five years from now? Because it feels like it's happening so rapidly mm-hmm. and it's basically out of control. I don't know that even the people that are causing it are controlling it now in any way. So can you give us your view about what you think the culture will look like mm. five years, ten years
1: from? now? Wow. Um, one of the most surprising things to myself and most of the people I interview, and by the way, that's where I, I learn a lot from the guests I interview. I host a pod- podcast. I don't, I'm not the Bible Answer Man, but I have some wonderful men and women of God on the show. Um, I've noticed that most mature Bible-believing Christians that are well-studied are not surprised by some of the things that are happening. One of the things that's interesting is how they use the virus. That was something I thought, wow, that's creative, but I, it didn't surprise me that they would do that. It, but, and, and the fact that everything's happening so fast. So that just means things are ramping up. We're getting closer to the time. We're in the last days. We're getting closer to that time, but five years from now, I don't know. <laughs> I can say, though, that I think if, if Christians continue to um, kind of back out of these difficult issues and challenges, uh, some are fighting back, but not enough, I think, are resisting. I think the government will just take whatever ground we give them. And what, there's a verse that says, do not give the devil a foothold. I think that word is... Topos, topography, ground. Do not give the devil any ground. Well, how much ground has the church in America given Satan the enemy? And so now it's just the fact that he's in everywhere and it's really ramping up and quickly and more intensely. So I think persecution is maybe, if I were to guess, speculate five years away. I mean, look at up in Canada. Pastors are being arrested. We had a couple of pastors arrested in America. We
0: did up in Idaho. Yep,
1: and we had pastors that had to file lawsuits because they wanted to keep their churches open. And I've interviewed one or two of them, um, and they, they won their lawsuits, but it's the, I don't think the, uh, the secularists on the Supreme Court, I don't think they're going to come down on the side of religious freedom for Christians in every one of their decisions. In fact, recently, there was a recent one that they didn't. So we can't depend on the courts. So what can we do now but prepare? And just say, this, is, this has been predicted. So persecution is one. I also see, like you alluded to earlier, I and mean, we were heading toward a one world system and I don't like it because I love America. I don't idolize my country. I don't idolize the flag, but I respect it and I will stand with my hand on my heart for what it represents and what our founders, the intent was for this nation. But we're going down and how fast, I don't know, but I don't know if that gives you kind of a general, that's just my guesses.
0: If I can piggyback on that, I think what you said there toward the very end was really profound, and I just want to make sure we all caught it, that you said something like, I don't even think the globalists or Luciferians or whoever the powers that be are recognized are in control anymore. It's just kind of gotten it's a life of its own. Oh right. And so yeah. remember we talked in What in the World is Going On, one of the sessions was uh, the Luciferian timetable, and we sort of addressed some of these yeah. questions. And what I can tell you from their own writings is they are out there in the chatter and those, you know, the uh, whistleblowers and the uh, secret documents that have been released. They're out there saying they didn't expect this plan, which uh, surely everybody in this room knows by now that the COVID pandemic was planned 22 years ago. There's all kinds of documentation, patents and secret meetings and plans and the pharmaceutical will come. So we know this, what it's a real virus, no question, but it's a bioweapon and it was planned mm-hmm. to yes. be rolled out. And they didn't expect, according to what they're saying, it to be so successful. Right,
1: So right. they're now
0: adjusting their timetable, which was originally 2030 to, mm-hmm. to, to closer to 2025. Doesn't mean it's gonna happen, Because remember, uh, don't ever forget this. I've said it until I'm blue in the face. There are two key factors that ultimately will determine the timetable of the the satanic new world order. First and foremost is God's sovereignty. God is sovereign. He he controls the times and the seasons. And we're not going to enter the final phase of God's plan of the ages until he's ready. That's the reason they haven't ushered in the one world system yet, is God is not willing that any should perish, and he's not ready for that. So that's number one. doesn't matter how bleak it looks, God can in a moment say, no, we're going to be another 50 years. to be another 100 years. <laughs> that's right. But the second reason is, and you've mentioned this earlier, the Luciferians and Satan himself are not omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. So they do not have the type of control that sometimes it seems like they do. So there's infighting, there's Inner, inner con- internal conflict. There's competing agendas. Mm-hmm. The top level Luciferians have their plan to roll out the, the, the Great Reset, but that doesn't mean that people at the second, third, fourth levels are impeding it and having all sorts of problems. So, in other words, they're kind of like, you know, the bad news bears. They're just kind of inept and tripping over themselves sometimes, and that could cause a delay. But those are the two biggest, you know, unknowns. But if they have their desire and God is willing for us to enter that final phase, which will begin with calling the church to meet him in the air, then I think it could be very soon, like you said.
1: Fascinating little point that you, you made in your question, that even they didn't realize how, it, it seems out of control even to the left, yeah. because it's just the moment, they have this momentum in almost every, all the major institutions and every area of our of our culture and our country, and... and the UN and their influence in America, it's just fascinating. It's almost like the perfect storm. And so it's,
2: who knows?
1: It's anybody's guess right now.
2: Kind of piggybacking on this last response, we saw in Virginia that the election didn't go the way they wanted. And that's more of a socialist leaning, but it goes hand in hand with this entire globalism concept do you think they've overplayed their hand at least temporarily? Because people push back. Yeah. they said the wrong things. Like, you know, no, you don't have any business teaching your children or having any say in what they learn.
1: We were just talking about this. I think at lunch today, yeah, and right. this is this this is something that really astounds me. That you know, JB pointed out that it started with the masks, forcing masks on children, and then it was uh, maybe the tr- couple transgender issues. And then it was the guy that running for governor said, you know, uh, teachers decide what to teach, parents don't have any say. Or however he worded that, and it's like, okay, they've been saying this or believing or living like it for decades, and all of a sudden now there's pushback. So I think, what did you say? Perfect storm? Is that what you said? In Virginia, Loudoun County, from what I understand, is one of the most liberal in that state it's probably the reason Virginia is a blue state instead of red and I think that's just south of DC is that Loudoun County yeah so I mean they've got the globalists the socialists the progressives but there are still some parents there that want their kids to learn (laughs) (laughs) and not have this you know hyper sexualized curriculum shoved down their throats at the youngest and youngest ages and then of this transgender ideology that is really it's if you think about it I mean, it's, it's, first of it's not biblical, but even it's not, it, you think about all the reasons that that is wrong, but they're, they've, they're getting away with it. So they're finally saying, well, wait a minute, all this is going on. So I think that county, and that, it, there, it was a big, it was a powder, or a power, powder keg, it was ready to blow. Right. And so that, it would just happened to be that election was coming up and he said the wrong thing, he triggered parents even more who had already been going to the school board meetings. I wish that would happen across the country, but I wished it would have happened in 1973 when Roe v. Wade was passed. I wish that would have happened in 1962-63 when prayer was taken out of schools, when the Bible was taken out of schools. I wish that would have happened in 2015 when they legalized same-sex marriage. And, you know, on and on and on. You can go with these court cases or these decisions or these common core. And then they, you know, said, okay, well, we're not doing that anymore. But they just changed the name. They're still teaching it. They didn't. They didn't eradicate all the public school textbooks and, and republish them. It's they're still there. So anyway, it's interesting. I, I my question is, I was well, why? I don't know. Maybe they. It was the right timing for all this stuff to come together. And maybe maybe the Democrats said, ah, we're gonna that's we're gonna let that one go. We're gonna just let them lose that. Maybe the well, the Republicans or the Conservatives will get overconfident now, thinking that next year's midterms are gonna be a blow. I don't know. I can't uh, understand. What, yeah, what's we'll going never the underestimate side. the enemy, right? Yeah. That's
0: what they say. So, who said that? Some president, um, anyway. <laughs> uh, World War II era, I think. But um, so, I, I do think, to a certain extent, they have maybe did overplay their hand. So, kind of here's here's how I personally kind of interpret what happened in this last election. I'm not sure I'm right because we don't really know. I mean, who knows? They're so deceptive. It could be part of a more complex plan. But I really, sometimes I feel like Elijah, you know, that we, those of us that are standing firm for biblical truth, we're thinking, oh, we're alone. And God says, no, no, I've got 7,000 more out there. And I think this was a reminder that as powerful as the Luciferian elite are, they absolutely cannot control every single local election down to the school board, city council, you know, level. They just Mm -hmm. can't. They don't have the manpower to do it. They just, I mean, it's pretty easy to control national elections once they went to a digital tabulation system, which I've been decrying for 15 years. Uh, was bought and paid for by the Chinese. That's easy. It's just a couple keystrokes in a cubicle. But it's very difficult to control everything. So I do think a lot of what we saw happen was uh, organic, and it was good, mm-hmm. and it's a reminder that there are still good Godfrey yes. people out there yes. that uh, we're not alone. Whether that's enough to <coughs> redirect I kind of doubt it. I think it's a blip, but it's a good blip, and we'll just continue to trust the yeah. Lord. And maybe we'll see more it's in the next election. It. You know, who knows? Yeah,
1: it's, it's it's interesting. It's fascinating not only that it happened, but where it happened. You know, in that county in Virginia and, and the governor's race. So, so questions? a couple more
0: questions here. Let's go here, and then we'll come back to you, Junie. Two questions. One, I I know you said
3: that COVID vaccine is not moral. Well, What about all the other vaccines that we've had in the past? And then also, it's reality. How do you encourage and mentor couples right now that they've got young families, some are pregnant, wife's a nurse, husband's a policeman, they have till December 1st, they both lose their jobs. And it's like, wow, you know, how do you encourage them Just stand strong, Mm. Um, knowing that, it, they don't want the vaccine, yes. but the pressure yeah. to
1: survive is there. I'll take the second part, and JB, maybe you can piggyback and, or take the first part. I would just encourage them, uh, <laughs> do whatever you believe is right based on your biblical worldview, and then whatever's best for you and your family. But then I would say, if it's, it's saving your job at all costs, then I would just just encourage them, we need the numbers because they can't stop. If more people resisted and said no, re- whether it's a religious exemption or, or just no. You know, years ago, uh, wh- any medical treatment, any American could just say, uh, no, thank you. Whether that be a shot for our kids or a medical treatment for ourselves, it was our decision. What happened to that? So if, if there are more numbers there, it's, it's gonna really change, I think, the way they're trying to approach this, the agenda but I don't know that enough people will resist and will, will, will say, yeah, well, I may lose my job, but I, this is the right thing to do. So I don't know, but I would encourage them to do that because we need that number, we need people to, to, st- to stand against this, and we need the resistance.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not an easy decision. Mm. and it, Sometimes the right answer is clear, but it doesn't mean it's easy, mm. right? And so I would empathize with them. First of all, God's grace is sufficient. I guarantee you there are people in this room who have taken the vaccine and regret it. And that's okay. God, God's grace is sufficient, and you can't go back and undo the past. He forgives. it's already, He's already forgotten about it. So um, hopefully they won't make the wrong decision, and they'll trust God in spite of it. it, it I'm reminded of you know, uh, Shatter, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, we believe our God is capable of delivering us from this fiery furnace. Hmm. But even if he doesn't, he's still God, and we're going to trust him. And so the parallel is is pretty clear. I mean, they're saying, i got to provide for my family. i got to put food on the table. Well, you know, we believe God is able to do that. But even if we go through a season of hardship, God's still God, and He's working in the midst and through it. So I mean, I know that's easy to say as a spectator, right? Right. And it's easy for me to say, I'll be completely honest, because I'm self-employed, and so I don't have an employer that's requiring me to do that. But I do know from you Know from my history and, and, and just from my resolve on some of these issues, that I, I don't think I would have a tough time. I would just make the choice and, and let it let the chips fall where they may. So hold that thought for just a second because I want to come back to your other question. Um, in, the morality, yeah, the in Spirit of the Antichrist, which is an 18 part series in part eight, the whole title of it is Big Pharma and Vaccines, and it's an hour expose on all the vaccines. This was before the COVID vaccine was even came up. This was last fall. So um, I would encourage you to check that out, but uh, there's all kinds of research out there uh, that demonstrates the dangers of some of these routine childhood vaccines. And you know, let's face it, God made us fully capable with immune systems to, to ward off the germs. I mean, the, we, the humanity is 6,000 years old. We've only had vaccines for 100 years. I mean, so, so, I mean, <laughs> Good think point. It. so, you know, uh, not that all medicine is bad, I'm not suggesting that, but I think, you know, people owe it to themselves to do the research about all of these vaccines and look at the statistics about autism and other, you know, autism spectrum disorder diseases. And we have right in our own church, you know, a top expert, really, I mean, I'm not just, you know, saying that, but Becky has been on the front lines of this, Becky Quinn has been on the front lines of this battle for years and has more knowledge than I've forgotten about it because I don't live in that world. And so she can recommend a number of great resources. Um, what's uh, RFK Jr.'s website? Children's Health Defense. Children's Health Defense is an outstanding resource with all kinds of, uh, of data on there and you know scientific journal articles and great resources. But she can give you some others. But uh, yeah, I would say, let's just put it this way, the COVID vaccine, though it's not even a vaccine and it's completely different technology than has ever been used before on planet Earth, completely experimental technology, it's certainly not their first rodeo at using dangerous injections. It's so. an aborted tissue. And, and of course the, the vaccines, all of them, uh, have the aborted fetal tissue in them. And I, and I show that, I got a guy, I show a clip in that video I'm talking about of a guy under oath at a deposition who's called... The grandfather of vaccines, leading virologist that helped create many of them, under oath saying, "Yes, absolutely, we used, you know, aborted fetuses." Now.
4: This is not a question, but since Junior, I spent lunch today with Holly Clue, who's running for sheriff, one of the things that is being realized, and I think Virginia might be a precursor to this, is find out who you want to vote for and ask them these questions mm. okay and I mean and and listen to their answers because a lot of our officials like the sheriff here in this county they have to say whether these officers get you know have to have the injection or not you know and it's their call you know and look what our county commissioners did with the local CDC right they fired them Well, we'll we'll start our own. So that's, I mean, I think that's what we saw in Virginia, and I think we need to be better at who we vote for, and it doesn't matter which side of the aisle, it's what do they stand for, what is their position on this, and they have a lot of (coughs) gratitude, at least right now, to make those decisions. Yeah,
0: and anecdotal evidence of that is, before we came to the Front Range and came to Plum Creek Chapel, we lived up in the mountains, And uh, I had a little church up there that met in a rented facility, and it was the only church in that whole part of the county. But when this whole pandemic hit, their sheriff was going around saying, we're patrolling church parking lots. If we find cars in the parking lot, we're arresting you. Wow. Come here. And when we opened up, we contacted the sheriff here and said, are you going to arrest us if we meet? Because we never did, you know, follow the percentage guidelines of how many people per square foot could be here. We never required masks, any of that. And he said, no, absolutely we won't do it. Big difference, right? And I know Holly would certainly be in the same that in yeah. Space, yeah. Absolutely. So I uh, highly recommend her.
1: Elections so. have consequences. Yes, they and do. One thing that we didn't mention and I really want to just just you know piggyback on what you guys are talking about. We we've kinda surrendered years ago uh, the local level. And that's where we can have the greatest impact: school boards, local elections. I mean, from representatives to mayors, governors, sheriffs. Like you said, that sheriff has a decision to make over his department. So we, we've got to get back to that. It's not. We just have to get involved in that area. And I don't know if, if it's too late, but we at least it'll affect where you live, because we. The media has been a good, they've done a good job of duping us to just look at the, the national race. It's Trump against Biden, right? And, and they, that's all the focus was on that, but we're kind of forgetting or ignoring the local issues that are so important that directly affect us. Well, what lesser magistrates. Yes, the yes. doctrine of lesser magistrates. Look up yeah. Pastor. Matt Truella, defy tyrants.com.
0: Yeah, DefyTyrants.com. You're welcome com. for the plug-in. Yeah, in. It's, it's like a WWF wrestling match. You know, they don't care who they put up there. I mean, think about it. 335 million people in the world. The best we can do <laughs> is Donald J. Trump, who made billions in the porn and gambling industry, and Joe Biden, who can't put two sentences together. Wow, <laughs> proud to be an American, right? I mean, that should tell you right there that this is whole rigged game let's go there are some great people that if this was a legitimate thing we 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 would elevate to the highest office in the land so yeah you had a a comment
3: well we've been talking about voting what about dollar voting I mean are there any insights you have in terms of really swaying uh, the outcome of our country through how we purchase dollar voting it's not like a common phrase it's, it's not a phrase people use a lot, but you vote with your oh, dollar. Oh,
1: oh, Like boycott, well, boycott or boycott. Boycott and boycott. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, American Family Association and other organizations, nonprofits, uh, Christian organizations have been trying to do that. Um, they even had a campaign years ago. I think that's a good idea. I wouldn't all boycott everybody because you're gonna, then you're going to not be able to have any food, or <laughs> or you're not going to be able to have a car, or not going to be able to wear those jeans because of the company, right? What the corporation stands for. So you can't boycott everybody. But several years ago, they started a Merry Christmas campaign. And they have buttons that say, Say Merry Christmas. And they send those out. And when you go into a store, you're supposed to pay attention to whether they say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. And if they say Happy Holidays, say, well, Merry Christmas. And if they don't respond, you just let the American Family Association know that. Or, or you can, if you want, just ask the employee, hey, are, are you allowed to say Merry Christmas? A lot of them will just tell you, no, there's there's my employer will only let, let us say Happy Holidays. Right. So... I will will tell people, go to the stores that are proudly in their advertising mentioning Christmas. You know what? I'm already seeing ads, by the way, for the Christmas season. And you know what they're saying? This holiday, why don't you buy a big diamond ring or a big car with a bow on it, big Lexus, like we all afford that, right? But seriously, this holiday, but we're kind of becoming immune to that. It's like we hear it and, and we don't, yeah, well, what holiday are you talking about? Happy holidays. You're talking about Thanksgiving. You're talking about Halloween, President's Day, Veterans Day. What's holy Veterans about Thanksgiving Day.
0: or what's holy about Halloween? Yeah. They're not so, holy
1: days. And I not where Christmas I don't, is. Yeah, I don't mean to be splitting hairs about you have to say Merry Christmas or you're not a Christian. No, I'm not doing that. But we have to recognize where do you want to spend your money? A company that's got Merry Christmas and they're proud to say it like a Hobby Lobby? Or do you want to go somewhere else where you might have to pay a little or, or you can get it on a better deal, but there's... Christmas is not mentioned anywhere. There's a lot of red and green in the store, a lot of Santas around there, a lot of Christmas carols playing that don't mention Jesus or anything about the real meaning of Christmas, but it's commercialism. They're, mar- they're making money off of it. So that's just one idea. So yes, I believe that can be effective if enough people would do that. I just don't know there's, if there's enough grassroots efforts to do that.
0: All right, no pressure but this is the last question. No. So this is gonna be the
1: best question of the night. Um,
3: what do you think about the similarities between the COVID vaccine and the mark of the beast in Revelation?
1: Pass. <laughs> <laughs> so well, first, well, first of all, the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. I think you, in this church, you guys realize that. The similarities though, it's fascinating because people are willingly taking it, aren't they? And then, if you're not willing to take it, the government is trying to force everybody else to take it. There's a similarity?
0: Yeah, I think the question was worded beautifully, because that is the question. We know, based on the Bible, obviously the mark of the beast is not operative today. It will not be operative until the Antichrist has been on the throne for three and a half years. And so, but we can see the stage being set, and we know the purpose of the mark of the beast during the tribulation period, and the technology behind the these mRNA injections could easily be used and adapted for global tracking, you know, uh, communication, uh, turning on, on and off your, your ability to buy and sell and mm-hmm. cross state lines and so. So the technology could be setting the stage for that. Uh, I, I think it's a profound similarity. And we've, we've said that, you know, in conservative Christian circles that study Bible prophecy for 40 years, you know, when UPC codes came out or the RFID chips and so, and there's nothing wrong with that, to sort of look at technology and say, huh, this might be something that Satan could use to achieve his agenda during the end times, but never before has it been so profoundly wow. global in, in its scope. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, it's something to definitely uh, uh, keep an eye on. And we say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Amen. So this is a good time to stop. It's right at uh, 7 o'clock, I guess, and we don't want to keep you too long, but I do want to close out with a couple of uh, just words of encouragement here so first of all David came all this way at his own expense and uh, we've helped him a little bit some generous donors have helped a little bit with his hotel and those kinds of things but there's still air travel and things like that and he, he runs a ministry and so we are going to do a love offering tonight to support uh, David and here's the here's where I've made a huge colossal mistake I forgot in all the confusion this morning to mention it. <laughs> And we had a huge crowd here this morning, and I just, with everything going on, I forgot to put out the word about if you'd like to, uh, if the Lord leads you to give to David's ministry, please do so. So, that means that you guys here tonight have the distinct honor and privilege of giving not only for yourselves, (laughs) but the person who sat next to you this morning, (laughs) who's not here tonight, okay? So, no, seriously, obviously, we never want anyone to give under compulsion. That's not biblical. Uh, Pray about it as the Lord leads, if he puts it on your heart to support David and Rosanna, then uh, just make a check out. How do we want to do that? Plum Creek. To Plum Creek Chapel and we'll write David one check. Uh, but just put on the memo line, obviously tonight there's nothing from the normal tithes in there, so we should know that everything tonight's going to David. But just to be clear, put David, just put David, because you probably can't spell Fiorazzo. Oh, sure on on you can. F-I-O-R-A-Z-O. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway, put that on the memo line and, and do... Uh, Seriously, uh, give generously if if the Lord allows you and if you're able. We know that not everybody can, but if you can, that'd be great. And uh, and then other you get than a book. That, oh yeah, and other than that, we did bring ten more copies of the book. So they went like that this morning. We had eighty-something people here, and we sold out all ten. If you didn't get one, or if you'd like to get another one, uh, they're ten dollars. Make the checks out to Plum Creek Chapel, or put ten bucks in the little white box there. But uh, and if you can't afford one, but you really want one, by all means, take one. We want it to be your, uh, your uh, our gift to you. But those uh, books are back there. It looks like a few have already
1: gone, but it looks like eight or nine back there. So, uh, yeah. I just want to say you can support our ministry because I proudly say, Merry Christmas. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the reason for the season.
3: Vote for David.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Remember the reason for all seasons.
0: I would. I would actually vote for you if you ran for just about anything.
1: So. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe Allegis. I should move to Colorado. Packers yeah. allegiance is all. not. Well, we wish you would. David for hey, you president. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> You've man. got a place here if you ever. Uh, if the Lord ever does. Uh, Lead you here. He's already told me you're supposed to come here, but as soon as you obey the Spirit, then great, well, uh, you can come. We'll pray so, for the addiction. awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming out tonight. I know there's a lot of things you could be doing on a Sunday night, but thank hopefully you. this was edifying and encouraging. And uh, we will post the videos of both this morning's uh, interview and then tonight's Q&A. Uh, actually, this morning's is already posted uh, both at the Plum Creek Chapel website and not by Works website, but we'll post tonight's. Uh, as well and uh, why don't we stand together and i'll close us in prayer father thank you so much just for your incredible goodness and thank you for uh, calling out uh, great men of god like david Fiorazzo, and using him to help uh, educate the body of christ and uh, just sound the alarm in many cases and encourage us uh, to do the right thing i pray that you'd continue to bless his ministry And give them wisdom and direction as they make uh, decisions, uh, both as a family and in their ministry. We pray for his sweet wife, Rosanna. Pray for her uh, physical health. And, Mm -hmm. Lord, we just pray for a safe journey for him as he heads back now to Wisconsin. So, Lord, may we leave this place uh, better and more knowledgeable about you and what you're doing in this culture and also more equipped uh, to tackle the issues at hand. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. 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 Thank you, David. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for instigating all this. (laughs)